Warning. Explicit content. Listener discretion is advised. Hi, I'm Scott David Chase. This is my truth. Tell me yours. I, on this episode, I talked to Jason Rowe. Um, Jason is a long, long time friend of mine. Uh, Jason and I met in 1988. Um, as I have told people many times I mentioned in this conversation, he was the first person I met on the first day of school in sixth grade when uh, I moved to Exeter, New Hampshire. Um, Jason released his debut solo album, Life in the Time of COVID, in December of 2020. And in this year, 2021, he is trying to uh, release a single a month. His first single, Deep, came out in January. He's got another single that should be dropping at the end of February. And uh, yeah, um, it's always great to catch up with him. Jason is one of my oldest friends in real life. And uh, I've been threatening him that I was going to talk to him for this podcast for several years. And my uh, my my uh, terrible time management has prevented it many times. But uh, yeah, we've seen each other a few times in person this year. And, uh, this was done over the phone just cause I wanted to, I wanted to get this out to kind of piggyback on top of the album and the, uh, the single also just fun fact. I did the album cover for life in the time of COVID. Um, there's a lot of fun. So, uh, to paint that and be a small part of Jason's project. So without further ado, please enjoy this conversation with myself and Jason Rowe. start recording we're recording there you go yeah were you were you working on any music before i called or dude i'm bouncing something right now it's a song called happiness is that going to be is it going to be the next single i think so nice because you you put out deep uh january what 25th i think okay um basically trying to do a song a month and it's going to have to be the last week of the month because let's be honest, I'm not going to catch up with myself. I don't know that I'll actually accomplish it, but maybe I'll be able to sometime do two in a month. Sure. Like skip the month. Who knows? It's just like. Right. Yeah, like get one at the beginning of the month and then another one at the tail end of the month. Right. Well, yeah. Whatever, well, yeah whatever I can do. do you, now, I mean, are you. I don't do this full time, so that's the problem. Right. Finding time to do it. Yeah, but I mean. I spent a lot of the time in my garage. Let's not be, yeah. Right. Um, so with that, do you have like a stockpile of songs that you, that written or are you is, is it kind of like, let's see what I come up with this month? So it's both. I have like two banks. I have old songs that I've written that I'm trying to kind of rework for the music I'm doing now. Because mm-hmm. I wrote a lot of stuff acoustically because I was playing with Sheila and our Snow Saucer duo. Right. And so I wrote a lot of songs, but they're very much for just like piano and guitar, like acoustic guitar and singing. Yeah. So I'm trying to make more like songs with grooves and bass lines and everything else to it, but using some of those. Sure. And then other things are whatever I come up with when I'm just messing with stuff. Sure. And that's so like this is a new. This is just something. This is a new song that it's not something I've had before. Right. Yeah. Right on. Um, yeah, we're kind of. I mean, obviously, you and I have. You and I have had hundreds probably thousands of conversations about music um but you know someone tuning into this that might not know um i mean you also when i visited you guys in it's either september or october of last year um you told Somewhere. me told me about the uh the project uh life in the time of covid your totally. your your debut solo album yes um uh which was it was pretty much completed at that point, right? I had written all the songs, but it wasn't done. Okay. Um, well, I mean, the race to the finish line. Yeah, I mean, and you played me a good chunk of the songs uh, that weekend when you were up there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I probably had at least two thirds of it ready to go. Yeah. So and then the rest they had to finish. Yeah. Um, and it's it's a it's nine songs. It's a full length album. Um, so just f- for someone listening who 
who doesn't know, like, obviously you and I talked in depth, but like, how did that, how did that come about? Like, obviously from the title, Life in the Time of COVID, you recorded it um, mostly, well, almost all of it is just you. I know there's there's some guests on it. um, Yeah. But were you, like, how did that come about as far as um, recording an album in quarantine? Like, were you planning an album anyways, or? I was not. So I was recording, so I mean, you know, through the years I've recorded tons of stuff. And I've had lots of songs, but a lot of times when I'm recording, I'm recording like other people or a band I have. It's not like my own stuff, you know? So I started getting into just all the songwriting over the last couple of years with Sheila. And because of that, I started being like, I need to record this stuff. And I got more and more back into recording till it got to the point that I just had a lot of songs built up that I was able to record. Yeah. And so new stuff is kind of like, I do the same thing with like snowboarding where if you take time off from doing it, you don't realize how good it is. And then once you go and just do it, you're like, this is so much fun. Why have I not been doing this? Sure. That's kind of what happened to me in COVID around April timeframe, not too far from my birthday. I was like, I'm going to make kind of my goal for this year to put an album out. Yeah. So damn it. By December, that album came out. I mean, it did. So I was like super proud that I just set this thing out at the beginning of this crazy pandemic. Yeah. I spent a lot of time in my garage. I was like therapy. So I wrote songs and recorded as much as possible. I have a good friend that plays sax that lives close by. Yeah. So he plays a bunch. It's nice to have a sax player. Yeah. Nathan. Did he, um, did he come to the garage to record? my COVID circle. <laughs> your sax player is always in your COVID circle. It's, it's important. Um, it's funny because at work where I work, you know, we have a lot of, uh, we have piped in music that plays all day. And there's like four or five different stations, but one of them is an 80s station. And, uh, and I think I might've told you this, but it's become like a thing that I do when, uh, because there was a lot of saxophone in the eighties, there's oh, yeah. a lot of songs with sax solos. And so I got to the point where whenever a sax solo is happening, whichever one of my coworkers is closest, I'll just look to him and point and go sax solo. And, uh, but it's even gotten to the point where if it's any instrument other than like a guitar or keyboards, that's, you know, standard rock and roll whenever there's like a, there's a, like a weird, like recorder solo in, uh, California dream. And I'll be like recorder solo. Oh, yeah. And, uh, uh, I, I had a coworker a couple of weeks ago. I did that and he goes, you know, I don't care. Right. And I go, you know, I'm not saying it for you. Right. <laughs> I was like, right. just because I'm making direct eye contact with you doesn't mean it's for you. It's for me. Yeah. Right. Uh, so you might be the you you might be the most recent person I know who's had active saxophone on their uh, their album because it's yeah. I mean, I so much of the stuff I'm doing, I like having this like '80s vibe to it. Sure. Yeah, it's fun. Yeah, and there's definitely and that synthesizers are fun. I mean, let's be honest. Yeah. Well, it's, I had a friend who has in the last 10, 11 months really hasn't left her house much. You know, her husband goes to work. Um, she, she's had a bunch of surgeries on her knee in the past few years. So she really hasn't been all that mobile anyways. So it was just, it kind of worked. And both of her kids are grown and out of the house. So, um, she hadn't left the house much, but, uh, the hell was I going with? This? Oh yeah, she. So she was like, "I'm tired of all the, all my music. Give me some new recommendations for music, but right. no no sad or depressing stuff. I've got that area covered already." So right. one, one of the things that I said was, "You got to ch- check out my friend Jason's album." Uh, it made like, a top ten Scott Chase albums of 2020. It's true. Uh, no. I, I said you got to check this out, and I was like, "Don't let the." album title scare you i was like it's a very upbeat record and i was like i was like and you know i've teased her for years that she was a she's a hippie and i was just like this is right up your alley like you know we used to work together at a bagel place and i would always play you know the doom and gloom you know the grunge and metal and she would play you know uh that a lot of U2 and she was, you know, big into fish for a long time. And so I was just like, no, this is definitely right up your alley. So nice. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, people don't know drummer of like 
over 30 years mm-hmm. that decided to sing and play guitar and learn how to play piano. Right. That's like happening now. It's super fun. I mean, you learn so much when you're trying to do all these different instruments and fit it all together and not yeah. relying on other people who are just better than you coming up with a part. You right. like think of like, what would a piano do? What would the guitar do? Right. You know, and then also within your facilities to be able to do the parts. <laughs> sure. Well, it's so like with drums, like I don't do, I won't like play a verse and be like, that's good. I can cut that up and put it on it. Like I won't like, I'll do drums 32 times in a row if I have to, to get a full song. Yep with drums you know what i yeah. mean but i always do drums last which is kind of weird but because i'm the drummer right i write everything and record it and then play the drums over it at the end so everything on life of covid yeah every song i played drums was the last thing i played yeah pretty weird well i remember i mean did you record the the other instruments to a click track and then do it or you just yeah i would just do like a quick sequence drum pattern that yep. was like the you know the rhythm and the time i wanted it to be yep and it wouldn't be what i would end up playing but like it was enough of the feel and the tempo of the song that i could play the other parts yeah and then i turn that off and do a click track to everything and then just play the drums yeah i yeah. remember and this is going back god probably close to 25 years when i was working on the the did the Hank Watership Down album and towards the end you did a couple sessions and there was one thing where there was like drum parts on there but I wanted you to add stuff to it and you're like recording drums over or no there weren't drums and I wanted to add drums and you're like trying to add drums to something that's it's super challenging it's yeah. really challenging yeah. yeah to add something to drums that doesn't have it after everything's recorded yeah. because everything has this feel and like you know, the idea like anyone wants to go in the studio and do something that makes it sound like the band is playing together. Right. But when you're playing every instrument, I'm never, I'm only playing with myself recorded. I'm yeah. not playing live. Yeah. You know what I mean? But because I'm playing everything, the feel kind of, you know, I have, it's just kind of me, my feel right. with all these instruments. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's, yeah. Did you It's s- a challenge, but it's fun. I mean, it's a cool challenge. Have you seen that? Um, I was thinking about it, uh, earlier today actually but um because I'll, I'll do this thing where i'll just take a band's discography and go from one end to the other you know uh listening to it like i just went through all of you two stuff but i decided i was going to go through the foo fighters um but i'm going backwards in time because it'll be too depressing if i go from the beginning to the end because <laughs> the last like 10 years has not been great i mean not like what it was when they fr- i mean those first several albums were yeah, but it's and it's also they're not bad. It's just kind of like rote. It's like you know when you're it's a, ba- a formula kind of at this point. Yeah. What's that? It's it's a little formula at this point. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. But a couple, I want to say in like 2018, maybe 2017, Dave Grohl did this. It's like a 23 minute instrumental track called "Play," where he does everything on it, and it's okay. like it's almost got like a rush vibe to it. But they he released a video. I see that. You did see it. No, I said I could see that. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm I'm very entertained by Dave Grohl. Sure, he's a super talented guy. I mean, to be able to do what he's done in his career, yeah, you know, well, it's and awesome. I feel like as far as someone who is a you know what what would be called a an actual rock star, like I feel like oh, he's a rock star. Yeah, man. but he's doing it like the right way as far as like right. being like having fun with it, but also like being cool about it and like. Uh, like, like he wants everyone to come in to, and check out the party with him. He's he's not Mister. I'm too cool for school. Thing. No, he's, he's an inclusive guy. I mean, he does all these jam sessions you can see online and stuff where he just gets together with people. And he's not. He doesn't have things on to be perfect. I mean, you know, you gotta think he was like a punk rocker at heart when he was younger, right? You know what I mean? And still, and does like you know, there's not a ton of bands you feel like do just like power rock and roll, right? Right. And they do. Right. That's For sure. And it's, I mean, it's, you know, it, but him doing that thing, because he, you know, the first Foo Fighters record is all him as well. And then he built an actual band. But when I remember when you were telling me about recording this record, I just kind of pictured it was kind of like a similar way, you know. Um, it's although, exactly like Dave Grohl. Right. It's exactly like that. Yeah. <laughs> You're blonde. He's, he's a brunette. Other than that, same. Yeah, other than that, exactly the same. Yeah. 
I have a way longer beard. I like that you're doing it too. It's, getting... it's funny because at work, you know, because I wear, a, I have to wear a mask at work, and every once in a while, someone will comment, they're like, dude, your beard is out of control. I'm like, for, like, my beard is like, I, I see... I see a comparison to my Star Wars fandom where to the average person, it's ridiculous, but I have plenty of friends with way more ridiculous beards than me. And I have plenty of friends who are like way more into Star Wars than I am. So, you know, to the average person, I'm overdoing it. But some people are like, you could go way further. You can definitely go further. I'm proof. Yeah. Yeah. Because now is that's pretty much a, a quarantine beard, isn't oh, yeah. it? Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I had a beard, but it was super, like, trimmed up. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've been in my house now, I mean, a bit, about a year. Yeah. You know, from working. I haven't worked. I mean, I've worked, but I haven't been in an office for a year. Right. It's pretty amazing. Yeah. And so, literally, I've spent time in my garage. I mean, right. That's, that's right. like, what's happened. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, I mean, it's, it's an interesting thing, like how many people have spent so much time at home in the last, I mean, and we, we talked about this too, but I think it's going to change like so many industries, even when we, we start getting back to some sort of semblance of normal. Yeah. So, I mean, like, I know that you, you've jammed with people a lot. I mean, you know, and I've, I've said this to people before, but I moved to Exeter, New Hampshire in 1988. You were the first person I met on the first day of school. So we've right. no, known each other 30 plus years. And I, I don't know if that point you were in a band, but you were like one of the first people that I knew who like made music oh, with other yeah. people. Totally. Um, Very early on, it was encouraged that like, you know, you can sit in a room and like play an instrument, but the way you're going to really learn music is playing with other people. Sure. Right? So that was, I mean, you know, I started playing drums at 10, but, you know, I had to play snare drum and stuff, wanted a drum set, had to prove that I would stick with it, Right. get a drum set. And within a couple of years, definitely 12, 30, I mean, by 12, I was definitely, you know, I'd have like a friend that had bass and, you know, I played drums and we sucked and we just kind of like played. Right. And then, you know, but it's fun and you might play a talent show at the elementary school or some shit. Right. And, you know, and later on, it's like, I mean, that's how I met Maddie, Maddie and Dylan was like, Early in junior high school, at some point, they're like, "We hear you're a drummer." Right. And they both of them just came up to me, and then we started just jamming together, right? Like shooting poison tunes and stuff. Right. And I mean, and and those are I both mean, Sex Pistols and stuff too. You know, we mix it up, Poison, Sex Pistols. We were super confused. Right. Well, I mean, both of those bands are confusing bands in different well, you ways. You know, that's how it kind of. So yeah, I mean, from forever, I always play with people. Yeah, and I mean, so, I mean that's the most fun with music. I love the production stuff and and writing songs, but like eventually I'd like to take these songs out and play them with other people. You know sure. what I mean? Like it's not just for the recording yeah. right now. It's the recording, but I can build up a bank of songs to be able to play, you know? Yeah. Great. When you were, um, for several years, um, one of your more recent music projects, you know, jumping ahead was, uh, fun bridge, which, you know, Funbridge, yeah. you recorded, uh, was it, was it, we did an EP and an album. Was the EP what you did at my brother's studio, or was it the full length? Oh, yeah, the yeah. EP, when Derek was in the band. Right, because you were a four-piece when four you recorded piece, the EP. Players, yeah. And then um, you recorded the full length as a as a trio? Yep. So we did that like a tank studio in uh, Burlington, and then I'm like mixed and mastered it. Were you, so we did the recording in a studio, but not like the end product. So when Derek was in the band, you were a co-vocalist, uh, but... I would do, like, background vocals and stuff, but, I mean, maybe I'd sing a song or two, but he was the singer. Right. So... Definitely. After he... So when he left, because yeah. he moved away, yeah, we, we, you know, we had this, like, period of time where we, you know, we... Interestingly enough, we found Andy on Craigslist as a guitar player. Yeah. And... We tried so many things with Craigslist that it's the sa- it's the stuff you hear. It's like awful. Like people come and they say they, you know, I play this or I do this, and then you play with them. and You're like the story that you told me before we played didn't really match what was going on. Right. For some curious or whatever it is. And we found Andy on it. Was like wow, this you know young kid, you know, kind of liked all the same stuff we did, and we clicked and started writing a whole bunch of songs. But once Derek left, we tried people out. 
and you know we were like hopeful because we found an Andy. We we're like, oh, we're gonna find another like whatever. Right. And then some time went on, and we just liked playing together. I've been in several bands where it really was like practice is fun, but you do it so you can be good live. You know what I mean? Like you really practice. Like right. if you fuck something up, you go over it again. You don't just kind of breeze by and go, let's go to the next song. Right. You're like, that bridge part sucked. Let's do it again. You'll do it like four times in a row to nail it. You right. know what I mean? Yeah. So we would do that stuff, but we were trying these people out and it was just like not working, trying to find a front man. Yeah. And eventually you're just like, all right, I'm going to sing. Yeah. You know, Andy's going to do background vocals, and if we really wanted to do something different, Matty would sing every once in a while, but he really just had, like, words to say. Sure. You know what I mean? Yep. And that was it for a while. And it was fun. We wrote some really funny songs. Yeah. Like, it was an interesting band, you know? Mm-hmm. I don't know exactly what I would call it if you wanted to be like, well, what style were you guys? I mean, we're obviously in the rock vein. But, sure. But if someone wants to put some, like, one of those subgroupings on it, yeah. I'm not really, I don't know. It's like, it's like quirky rock. If you're a fan of Crocus, but also Blues Traveler. <laughs> you might like this band. You might like Funbridge. Um, so it, and, I mean, Funbridge was fun just to have that as the name of the band. Right. You know, it's funny. Sometimes, because I come up with really stupid shit. I mean, there's stuff I came up with for songs that we wanted to do. That they're like, we can't. You can't use that subject. We probably shouldn't sing about that. Right. But, yeah, I don't know. I don't know where I was going with that. <laughs> um, and, I mean, I think the first time... I think the first time I oh, saw, saw you play guitar was for, for your college... Uh, you thought I was going to say something else, didn't you? I had no idea what you were going to say. Um uh, that was the first time you saw me, well, like, live in front of people. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was one of the first times I really did it in that capacity, where I was, like, you know, I was singing and played guitar and led the band, and you know what I mean? So, like, I was a studio guy at the, so I did, like, jazz theory and took studio yep. as, like, the track you can do, like, studio performance. Right. So, I, you know, I took a lot of all those same classes, but you got to, if you wanted to elect to do it, you could do a performance in the theater, Right. For like a senior recital. I'm like, how would I not take advantage of all these kids in the music program? Right. Getting this awesome theater. And so I wrote a bunch of songs. That was when I first met Andrea. I'm like in this, like, um, uh, in this basically my room all the time, just writing songs for this thing. Yeah. Andrea is your wife. That was writing songs. I mean, there was only two songs I played that were cover tunes. Everything else was. It was Moth was one of the cover tunes, right? And Pick Up the Pieces by Average White Band was the other song. Cause I right. had a whole, I had a four piece horn section. How was I knocking up? Yeah, you that gotta, song? yeah, you gotta. And everything else I wrote, I played the, uh, I did the, the guitar duet with the other guitar player that was way better than me, right? You know, but I did it. I wrote it, and it was this cool. I think it was called Walk in the Park. Yep. It was awesome. And that- so yeah, so that was the first time you saw me play guitar. I, so at that point, I, like, I, so. I, I was trying to take guitar seriously. Right. And then literally from not too long after that, for literally like 10 years, I didn't take guitar seriously. Yeah. So I've always dabbled in guitar where I'll do this thing and I'll go like, I'm going to practice every day and I'm going to learn something new. And, you know, I'll get a good three to six months out of that. Yep. And then there's either it's drums or I want to work on vocals or I want to play piano now. There's always some other thing that it's like, I want to get good at too. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's like the jack of all trades thing I have going on. Yeah. Well, and you, you play with enough other people regularly in other bands that, and, and almost always from everything that I know, whenever you've played with someone in a band, you've always been the drummer. So yeah, always. Yeah. 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 Like almost all. when I was a kid, I was a singer in a band and everything. But like, you know, I was, you know, we're talking 15 years old or something. Right. So, other than that, yeah, always the drummer, sometimes a singer. Yeah, I unearthed... Uh, I mean, if someone's calling me up for a gig, they're calling me up to play drums. Sure, you sure. Know? No one's like, hey, come bring your guitar, we're going to have a gig now, you know what I mean? Yeah. And it's not that people think I suck at guitar, it's just people don't really think of me as a guitar player. Sure, sure. Yeah. Um, I take it way more serious now. <laughs> but give me six months. Right, right. Well, it's what I found... Uh, Last week, I was going through some old, old photos, uh, and I found a picture from, God, like probably 95, maybe, that uh, where you were sitting in on drums 
for for Hank because for whatever oh, Foley on the back, super long hair, yep. red drum set. I know exactly what you're talking about. I think it was in the basement of St. Michael's in so Exeter. I was wondering where that was. Yeah, all right. Yeah, and it was one of those things that because that was my first realization that I didn't realize at the time that. I took all my cues in the song. I was the singer in the band. I took all my cues from Brian, the drummer, because, and you were playing the songs fine, but some of the fills and stuff that you did were obviously you were doing your own thing. Exactly. And I was like, oh shit, I don't know where I am in the song because I realized in the practice space, because we used to. You would just take your cues from him. Because, well, because it was so loud and I was standing next to the drums that most of the time I couldn't even hear what Cam and John were doing. Right. So it was all I could hear was the drums. So that's how I would find my way in the song. And I was like, oh no, I'm completely lost. And it wasn't like to no fault of your own. But then I was like, oh, okay. Not every drummer is playing the exact same thing, even if you're playing the same song. Yeah. And if you're like filling in in that capacity where like you learned all the songs, but you don't like own the song. Right. You know what I mean? They're not like second nature to you. Like if you played in the band all the time. Yeah. So in that case, yeah. You know, there's going to be every once in a while something I'm proud of myself because I hit the hit that's in that song that you wrote that, you know what I mean? Right. No parts, like, I'm not going to make the song ever train wreck, but I might not, you know what I mean? But depending on the amount of time I have, I might not nail every single fill like the other drummer or anything. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's just not, you know. Well, and I also think that it, drums is a funny thing because for most casual music fans, um, like you're obvi- obviously you're when you're listening to music, you're aware there are drums in there, but I feel like it, particularly in the rock genre, if you were to, if a band were it's like vocals and guitar. Yeah. I mean, that's like rock is all vocals and guitar. Yeah. Think of like any, you know, think of the Rolling Stones and it leads up on the people you think of first. And even like John Bonham, who's an incredible drummer. Right. St- people still think of Robert Plant, Jimmy Page first. There you go. Yeah. Always the bass player the last. Keith Moon, again, amazing drummer. Right. But when you think of The Who, you right. don't think of him first. Right. Yeah. So that's just how it is. Yeah. Well, and it's funny, too. because but drums are so different. I mean, if people realize how different people play drums, the same song, 10 different drummers are going to play it 10 different ways. Even yeah. if they're playing the song, exactly the song, it's like drummers just have their own thing. Yeah. Well, and I, I remember early on for me, my own sort of prejudice against drummers because I, you know, I'm one of those nerds who sits and reads liner notes all the time. And like so many bands, particularly in the like late eighties, when we were listening, like when hair metal was big, I'm looking at the songwriting credits and it's usually like the singer and the guitar player, uh, maybe the singer and the bass player wrote some of the songs, but a lot of times the drummer wasn't part of the writing. So I was like, in my head, I was like, all right, that's the least essential person in the band. And then, you know. But have you ever seen, like, have you ever watched any of those documentaries on, like, those, the, the players from, like, the, the 80s and early 90s? Those guys, like, what is his name? Uh, something Sarzo, or that bass player. Like, all these guys. Oh, Rudy Sarzo? Yeah, if they, exactly. Yeah. If they're in, like, all the LA bands and stuff. All those guys played in all those other bands. Right. Do you know what I mean? Somebody's going on tour. Ozzy's going on tour. He needs some guy to, you know, yeah. whatever. And it's this drummer. And he gets to play this thing. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's pretty amazing. That that's like how that entire scene was. Like those guys just like were hired hands. Oh, yeah. You know? For sure. And a lot of it, because I think, I mean, you brought up Ozzy. There was that whole songwriting uh fiasco in the 90s because like him and i forget who was playing drums on the first two records but um they had in their contracts anything that they wrote would automatically ozzy would get the songwriting credit so his third solo album is credited solely to oh he's credited even if he's not the songwriter right because he and Uh and ozzy doesn't play any instruments never has and i'm just like really he really writing songs i'm like he didn't write these eight songs by himself but yeah and so they tried suing him for songwriting royalties. So all he did was he just had uh, uh, Rob Trujillo and Mike Borden re-record the guitar and bass track so they wouldn't get any royalties. And yeah. <laughs> He's just like, fuck you. Yeah. And then they got sued. But yeah, I, I, I mean, yeah, I mean, later on, I just, I realized because of so like so many, so many different drummers were 
such an integral part of band sounds. Uh, you know, Stuart. Well, they think of Neil Peart. Like yeah. Neil Peart with Rush, like he wasn't even their original drummer. Right. When Rush, like, really was starting to hit big, their other drummer, like, dropped out. Right. And they got Neil Peart. And then, interestingly enough, he ended up being the main lyric writer in the song right. later on. So when they started, he wasn't even in the band. He became the guy who basically told you the story in every song. Right. Do you know what I mean? Which is, you know, that's pretty interesting. Yeah. Plus, he was a great drummer. Yeah, phenomenal drummer. That was one of the things that surprised me because I had a little... I had a, a spell a couple of years ago where I like got into Rush like in in my late thirties. You go through all those all those different albums. Oh, they're so good. Yeah, I have them all on tape. I found it. I had a tape player. I was playing them in my in the garage. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. I love it. I was just surprised. I used to love Rush. I yeah. mean, I saw Rush live and I thought it was just awesome. I was just surprised again reading liner notes that I mean I knew that he was the lyricist, but I was surprised that he didn't contribute more like music songwriting but i was like i again it could be how the songwriting is divided arrangement wise though i mean he does crazy you know what i mean they're very syncopated sure so i'm sure when they're in the song just like any band you're in a room somebody has an idea you play through it he might come up with a fill that leads to the next section right yeah he could be third in the songwriting credits where getty lee brought in all the melodies you know what i mean but once you're in a band that's together that long, you're all writing the songs. The principal songwriters are really the people who come in, like have the song structure. Right. And then you make it into the final product. Right. You know what I mean? Right. So I can see, but if Ozzy's just like, I'm going to sing some words over whatever you guys write later, but I want all the credits. That's right. kind of weird. Super weird. But well, if he writes the lyrics and the, and sings, I can totally see him having credit just not the first name on the, you know. Well, and it's funny because his song, oddly enough, his songwriting style changes every couple albums when his band changes. And it's been sort of like, a, you know, a rumor for years, a, not a well-kept secret that Ozzy doesn't even write his own lyrics. I mean, Geezer Butler wrote the lyrics in Sabbath. That's why Sabbath lyrics don't suck. And Ozzy solo lyrics are terrible. You know, I mean, mama, mama, I'm coming home. Lemmy wrote those lyrics. Really? Yeah, yeah. It, no more yeah. tears. Lemmy wrote like f- lyrics for four of the songs, which is why that's actually that. a decent album. Right. Yeah. But. Huh. What are you gonna do? I mean, I saw Ozzy as well. But yeah, I mean, <laughs> he's. I mean, at this point, I don't know. I would just retire. I don't think his wife will let him. That's probably true. Yeah. It's funny, too, because, like, you were one of the, I mean, there was, you know, you, Maddie, Dylan, um, John Powers, a couple other guys were kind of the guys that got me into heavier stuff than, like, where are you going? Are you? Are you it's cool. Don't worry you, about it. Are you going on a, a pee journey? Nope. <laughs> um, uh, you guys were kind of the ones who got me into heavier stuff than, like, Poison and Warrant. Um which I think is funny that now I would say I probably listen to a lot more heavy music more often than you do. Certainly. I mean, Matt's sort of in the punk rock vein and, uh, you know, he stayed true to it probably more than, I mean, and I'll say this just out loud. Cause I hope he listens. He just listens to bad music on purpose. Right. Sometimes. Right. I'm not saying everything he listens to is bad. I mean, he he listen. I mean, he, he likes a wide. He pretty much likes anything, yep. which is great. I don't think he listens to a wide variety of stuff, but he you know he is open to lots of different things. Yeah. But yeah, he listens to some shitty music, like almost like he just won't give up. He doesn't realize like he should stop listening to it at this point. Sure. I I'm, don't know if he's listening. I'm telling you now. I'm you know maybe this is the wake up call. This is the wake up call. Well, yeah. he's one of the few people. Like in our like peer group, our age group that still thinks the Red Hot Chili Peppers are good. So, so that's yeah. yeah. Like everyone found out a long time ago that the Red Hot Chili Peppers used to be good. Right. Well, and it's funny because I've gone back now and a lot of the and stuff. And I'm talking like when they were really young because I was never really a Red Hot Chili Peppers fan. <sighs> See, I'm like I go. I I went back maybe ten years ago to listen to like their first few albums, and I was like, Oof, this band is awful. Um, I like, I still think mother's milk <laughs> and, and blood sugar, sex magic are 
pretty solid they records. Had some songs that were good. Yeah, that's how I think about them. If you listen to like their entire catalog, yeah, no, there's yeah. a lot of filler songs on those albums. Oh, yeah. as far as I'm concerned, yeah. Well, and they, they, you know, we were talking about the Foo Fighters earlier. They became kind of an institution band where, like, once they had mainstream, like, a lot of mainstream radio success, it just became a formula. And I was, because, you know, they, their kind of biggest claim to fame early on was Flea's style of bass playing. And he doesn't even play bass like that anymore. Yeah. So. Yeah, I mean, he was unique. I mean, all of the people in the band were good musicians. But, I mean... That doesn't mean you have to write shitty music. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, they had a period of time where they wrote, uh, They, like I said, I, I can't, I hold nothing against them. I mean, good for them. They wrote some good songs and, you know, people right. will remember them forever. But if you go and listen to individual songs, like, they're not awesome. They, they you shouldn't listen to them anymore. They wrote that one song about California. You know. Yeah. Oh, by that time, I didn't even, no, like, stop. No, all those songs are about California. He just wasn't just, like, kind of talk rapping. Once he, like, thought he was supposed to croon a little bit, that's right. when it was over. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's funny, because I have You're a... You first. Uh, maybe not first, but... <laughs> <laughs> I'm just, yeah. Um, yeah, I have a friend who, a co-worker who used to work for Warner Brothers. You know, she's, she's about 15 years older than us, and... Uh, she was just talking about because she worked for Warner Brothers and the, the Chili Peppers were on Warner Brothers. They still are, I think. And she was talking about what a scumbag Anthony always was. She's like, oh, I hate that guy. It's like, yeah. I don't know him personally. Um, he seems like a real piece of shit. <laughs> OK, I don't know anything. Well, I, I was saying to I said to Matt years ago, because I, I really like John Frusciante's solo stuff. And he had quit the band, you know, a decade ago. He told me that. Yeah. yeah. I was like, thank God he's not in the band because I don't have to pretend I like him anymore. And now he's back in the band. And I was like, God damn it. But. Yeah, he did come back. That's funny. I, I think we talked about that. Yeah. To me, I just look at that like it's a money grab. But but I don't blame him for it. Sure. It's like music. It's not that he's not having fun. I'm not like he could enjoy it as well. But at that point, it's like, you know. You're gonna make more money's more money in the Red Hot Chili Peppers than you're doing with your solo stuff. For sure, and I also think and like what's the reason why you had to go back. Yeah, I mean, I mean that's all. Yeah, I looked. At, I look at it like because also when bands earlier in their career, you know, bands used to put out an album every eighteen months to two years. Where a band like that puts yeah. out an album every five to six years now. Well, see what usually happens with contracts though is that. People get signed to like a three or five album deal. Yeah. And so they're obligated over a period of time to put out X amount. So right. they try to space. So those first three, of course, they come out like relatively quick. But as they get towards the end of that contract or out of it, yeah. even if they're still signed with that label, they can now go for, you know, they can go tour for two different tours with two months off in between each one. One's like, you know, in South America, the other one's a U.S. and Canada, you know, tour right. or whatever. Right. And then you don't have to put an album out all the time. Yeah. I mean, these days people don't have to put albums out all, like singles really rule the market right now as far as like what people listen to. For sure. And it's not even like what people buy because most people subscribe to services that just give them music. Yeah. You know, which isn't awesome for the artist. I mean, I was really impressed that there's several people that just went and bought the album and deep like you bought deep as a single right but yeah i mean in the end when they take everything off it i get like you know 74 cents yeah maybe 72 cents but it's not that it's not the it's just the gesture that like you know you put a lot of time and effort and money into a project right yeah yeah for sure yeah it's i mean it's crazy how much the music industry has changed in our lifetime because like i remember when Metallica's The Black Album came out in 91, so it's 30 years this year. Um, sure. And, you know, however long it took, maybe six months for it to go platinum. And it's, you know, it's the it's the best-selling album of the SoundScan era. Um, it's it's sold, like, 25 million. That's crazy to me. Yeah. Like, there's albums... My like first CD ever that I got when, like, you could get CDs in 86 was Master of Puppets. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, they were so good during that time. Yeah, yeah. 
I just, the Black Album, yeah. I just, uh, I was so angry when that album came out. It's it's weird because that wasn't my that wasn't my first Metallic album. I actually got Master Puppets from Matt Whittall. Um, I had, on cassette, and I had to hide that from my parents. You know, uh, yeah, you were. Uh, it's funny. I, I I've, I've held paraphernalia, aka music, yeah, for you. I actually, I, I came clean with my mom a couple of years ago about that because so. Um, oh, I used to get like a, what is those like those gun? Yeah, it's like know, a military ammo like case ammo case with. And then you just have like tapes and CDs in it. And you give it to me, and I'd bring it to my house. And when you told me you wanted it back, I'd give it back. Because my parents would go through my room. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah, and I don't, I don't even remember. I'm sure there was Metallica, probably Guns and Roses, some other stuff in there. Um, I had um. Because my parents knew that I liked hard rock, so one year for Christmas they gave me uh, uh, a Striper album. Striper, dude, down yeah. with the devil. Yeah, it wasn't that, it wasn't even that one. It wasn't uh, the cool like that's, not that a that's classic album. Yeah, but it wasn't that. It was uh, against the law. It was when the, it was the first against one. Against the law. Yeah, it, was, it should be. It yeah, probably should be. Yeah, yeah. It, that was their first one where they didn't have the makeup on, but uh, they didn't turn into bumblebees yet. No, no, it was past that when they were like. Oh, you're talking about like it came out they're, like they're phoning it in. It was probably like '91 that it came out. Um, the the Sweet Brothers, Michael and whatever Sweet, and then Oz Fox. Yeah, Oz Fox. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Oh yeah. I hate myself that's that I great. have that lodged in my brain. But see, that's you need to make space for other things, man. If I could, like, I wish you know how you can go through your phone and delete old photos. I wish you could do that with like knowledge in your brain. You're like, oh, I told somebody that now. I don't want to tell somebody else. Yeah. Goodbye. Yeah. It's gone. Yeah. Yeah, that'd be great. I want that'd be Jason to be the last person I say the name Oz Fox to. (laughs) Yeah. Delete. Yeah. That'd be amazing. I'm sure at some point we will have the technology to do that. Whether or not I'd want to. Elon Musk is probably working on it. I'm sure. I'm sure. So yeah, so so deep. You released in January. Was that? Did, was that a song that you had kicking around? This is a song I probably had for ten years. Yeah, and that was another song I wrote that on guitar. It wasn't necessarily acoustic. It was just I wrote it on guitar, but it wasn't. It was so chordal that like it was basically an acoustic song, and yeah. I just. I liked the song, but I didn't like how it sounded, just me playing it with a guitar. Yeah. And then I decided to make it more like, you know, a song with drums, a full band, whatever. And once I started putting it together, I was like, oh, this could be like a song that like has more depth to it. No pun intended. Right. Um, and so, yeah, I just was like, I'm going to make this like a song, not just something I play on guitar that I sing. Right. There's something about it when I just played on guitar and sang it that I didn't like it, but I thought there was something about the song that was like worth keeping. Yeah. And so, yeah, like a few months ago, I just started working on it. That was the first song I worked on after um, putting the album out. So it wasn't ever something that you're like, oh, I'm going to put this on the album. It was just like, the album's done. Let's let's move forward and work on some more music. Yeah, what I told myself, and like I told Nathan, even that place actually, because he, he tells me I obsess about this music. And he's not wrong, but I said, once I put this album out, it's singles at least for the next year. Yeah. So then I told myself, I'm going to put out 12, like one every month for the year, yeah. which would be more than I put on the album, which was nine. Right. So I don't, like I said, if I don't hit it, it's not like, you know, it's not going to kill me or anything, but it was just, I like to set a goal to see if I can do it. Yeah. Yeah. Why you not? Know? But I want to put out like quality stuff. But I don't want to just like toss stuff out there that just try to hit a goal. Like, I want it to be like, oh, I want to actually release this song at the end of the month, not because I have a quota. Right. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Or, I mean, you could just crank stuff out, call the, you compile them all at the end and call it all filler, no killer. Well, I have one song that I worked on that I've never released that I feel like is going to be my stopgap song. Yeah. That it just needs to be mixed a little bit more and I could put it out. I like the song, but I don't love the song. Mm. It's one of those. Yeah. But if I have to, I might go filler too. Yeah. It would be the yeah. B side on the single. It'll be a B side in like March. Nice. To get me to April. Nice. Yeah. I um, have four other things I'm working on. So, four other songs? Really about just, yeah. I have four like 
part songs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they will become full songs. It just takes time. But the next thing you know, you just like, every once in a while you go to work, because to me, you probably do this with painting too. It's You can't wait to be like inspired to do something, even if it's artistic. You right. literally have to just put the work in. Yep. And while you're working, inspiration actually hits. Oh, absolutely. It's not the other way around. Yeah. Too many people are like, I don't do this because I'm not in the mood or I'm not. No, just get, if it's something you want to develop, like just get the work done. Yeah. And that work will literally bring you to like inspire you to do things you wouldn't have done otherwise. Yeah. You know what I mean? Which is pretty cool. Yeah. No, there's that's been my approach this whole time. I, um, I had a kind of a turning point a few years ago from uh, a podcast that I was listening to, which was, it was two painters together um uh david stupakis and met and john matthews the the third um and yeah which i didn't even plan it but this is actually one of uh met and jay matthews designs on my shirt that i'm wearing right now and uh one of the things that they said you know someone's like how do you go about you know how do i get to the next level uh i paint but you know i haven't been feeling inspired And, uh, you know, he said, this isn't an original thought, but they said, fuck inspiration, just make art, just Just sit down and make art. I mean, my goal, this is what it is. It it doesn't matter if it's music, it's painting, it's drawing, it's dancing. It it doesn't matter. Any expression thing, even if it's sports, it doesn't fucking matter. If you don't put the work in, you're never going to get to that next thing. Right. And it's not about like. You know, there's people who haven't been the most talented or the most this or whatever. But over time, you just develop this, like, extra massage of your brain. Like, there's something you're doing that you will develop if you do it. If you won't put that time in or you don't love it to do that, find something else that you feel that way about and then put the work into that and you'll get way better at it. Right. It really is. Like, we have so much time in our lives to do things. We just make excuses why we don't. Right. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And there's nothing wrong with sitting on the couch and watching a bunch of Netflix. But you can't do it like seven days a week, you know. Right. 365 days a year. Well. You have to do stuff. Yeah. And you're certainly not going to inspire anyone else. Be like, man, you watch the shit out of that Netflix. I wish I could do that. (laughs) Nobody's going to even know you did it. Right. Um, It's funny that you. I try to do this because I want kicks in the ass to people to be like, Put work in, put stuff out. That's another thing with artists. If you're a musician, if you're a painter, it doesn't matter what it is. Whatever mm-hmm. you want to do, you have to put it in front of people. Even if it's scary or you don't think it's good enough. Right. You have to. It's like you do it a ton. Like you just leave stuff places. But most people are not like that. Right. Most people want like perfection and perfection isn't a real thing right so like you're never gonna get that just release it do the thing right it'll actually push you to make you want to get better at whatever that is that you're putting out there because you're putting it out there yeah and in the end you'll find out that whatever you thought wasn't good enough there's a lot of people who think it's better than you thought it was so like and well and you know art any form of art is subjective something that like someone hates someone else is like it's their favorite thing oh, or, or it inspires them to oh, do yeah. something else i mean sure. that that's how the whole leaving stuff around started actually was it, it was i had old paintings i was tired of looking at because i thought they were terrible and i'm like <laughs> i'm like i can't bring myself to throw these out but someone might enjoy them so i'll just leave it out in the wild and let you know whatever happen sure. um it's funny that you you know we were talking about just doing the thing because like my goal this year was to do an hour of, of painting or drawing every day regardless if I finish a painting to to, to put in the time but I also like I so I did a painting earlier but while I was doing it I had an idea for something else so went out and did some stuff and I was literally like I ended up calling you like five minutes late because I was I, I had a friend who's a who was a carpenter she cut up all this plywood for me a couple weeks ago and made it into squares for me to paint on, which I had, I got started as like in my thirties painting again on wood panels. And so it kind of was like full circle. So 
and I went for a walk in Exeter today. And while I was walking, I had an idea for something else. So I was like, all right, I got to paint. I got to like prime this piece of wood before I call Jason. So that way, once it's done, I can work on this painting tonight. Afterwards. Do you have to do that? You have to seal it so it, the paint doesn't seep into it kind of thing? No, it's not really sealing it per se. I mean, if, if I were a, if I were like a professional, I would do that. But you are a professional. You know why? You got you get paid for what you do. That's true. It's all a professional. Is. Uh, Doesn't matter how unprofessional you act. Right. <laughs> it's no. It's more because I like painting on. Like a lot of times, I'll paint on a black canvas, and right. um, but this one, which I could do as well, but right now, most of the canvases I have it's like a perfect thing to challenge yourself. Don't paint on a black canvas. Well. I haven't, I like, I haven't painted on a canvas in about a week now because I've, I got this huge Rubbermaid tub full of uh, wood, wood shingles. So, right. but this painting That's that I cool. want to do tonight would have is going to have a mostly black back. I use, I use negative space a lot. Um, you know, at you know, absolutely. Uh, so I had to, I, I painted this wood canvas and I'm or this wood panel all black and I'm waiting for it to dry. Gotcha. Yeah. That's my story. <laughs> so are you going to work on music tonight after we wrap this up? Absolutely. Nice. Same song. Yeah. I'm, I'm telling you, I want to have it. What is today? The 10th or 11th? 10th. Yeah. So, so I go through like a distributor. So for, to get on like Spotify, I can get on Spotify in probably like three to five days. Right. But you don't want to really chance it that much because you're not like even when you distribute to these streaming services. Yeah. Like, I'll find out about something like a title four, five, six weeks later. Like, it's not on there forever. Yeah. Right? So if you release something, like you'd have to give it to them two months in advance, right? And I'm not, you know. Yeah. I'm not Beyonce. Like I get, you know, I I'm putting out music that like 37 people listen to the first day and then maybe 12 the next and then like eight and then maybe two monthly listeners, you know, right. Eventually I'll like double those numbers and I'll be in fucking big time. Right. Well, I mean, it's, uh, you know, going back to what I was saying about the whole Metallica. I, mean, I had, when I put that album out, like I had something like 300 streams in the first couple weeks or whatever you know yeah but the thing is is because every song so if i had a 15 track album every time someone listens to a song on it's a stream so that'd be 15 streams right do you know what i mean yep so having nine it's like it seems like a big number but it's multiplied by nine tracks or divide them yeah yeah so what you got to do is well, uh no, right it's the right yeah you, you gotta be like a 90s rap album put a bunch of skits on there so people hear all those too Exactly, like Eminem albums. Yeah. Like he would have like 13 tracks, you know, but not all of them would be real tracks. I'm pretty sure Proz from the Fugees is looking for stuff to do right now. Um, <laughs> there was a bunch of... I don't just invite randos over my house during a pandemic. It doesn't work that way. I, thought I don't was, care what band they've been in before. I thought he was... I don't care if it's Anthony Kiedis from the Red Hot Chili Peppers. <laughs> I was led to believe that Proz was right in the house at the front of your property. <laughs> Is that not it's the case? It's possible that he lives in the house across the street because, like, people just come and go there all the time. <laughs> yeah. Interesting, interesting. Um, so, because well, I was just going to ask if, when this year is over, if you're going to collect these albums or these songs as an album, but because you're releasing it digitally, not not physically, I guess there's no real, there's no advantage to grouping them together. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the year, in like early 2022, all into like package it into something and make it like the 2021 album and just put all the tracks into it. I could, but probably not. I mean, that's like you said, I'm not, I'm not like releasing music and thinking I'm going to win a Grammy. So sure. And I still could for a single. So let's not get ahead of ourselves. Sure. Sure. I mean, I mean, everyone who listens to this podcast should definitely go check out Jason Rowe's Spotify. You should follow and listen regularly. Jason Rowe, R-O-E. R-O-E. If you go to, uh, like, Amazon, there's another Jason Rowe with songs, and they will not separate us. Right. So Amazon's a tough one. But on Apple Music, uh, Bandcamp, you can go there and buy individual tracks or whole albums. Are you easy to find on Christian Mingle? 
not. I've been trying to find your songs on there. Um, yeah. No, when I because I think I, I I texted you when I was trying to find Deep because I was able to find Life in the Time of COVID. Uh, easy. That's a, such a unique title. Yeah. Right? Yeah. In a lot of words. Um, but when I typed in Jason Rowe Deep, it kept giving me. It kept saying, "Here's result results for Jason Rose," and I was just like, Rose. "I was like, nope, that's not what I'm looking for." No. But even well, even putting your name in, it didn't find it. So I just put in life in the time of COVID yeah, and then clicked on your name through like, there. Yeah. Yeah. With their search, if your stuff's not in there for a, a long time yeah. and people haven't searched for you, you just do not come up. Yeah. yeah. But for the most part, like you should, I mean, any major streaming service, if you type my name in, it should. <laughs> you might have to search a little bit, but you can find it. It's usually like in the time of COVID, it looks exactly like a Scott Chase painting because it is. <laughs> and I put a little bit of uh, title and text over it. Sure. Yeah. Because you don't want my handwriting on it. You wouldn't be able to read it. I tried to match your paint style as much as possible. I used like a chalk chalk text and it worked out pretty nice. You're like I used a four-year-old with broken Look, fingers. I have the painting. Well, it's right over there. I have the painting. The original. Nice. No album cover text. Nice. But that's a hard thing too. Like you talked about liner notes. So if you go to Bandcamp, I it gives you the space. I write about every track and who's on the track and what I thought about. You know why I wrote the track, right. or like what my thought pattern or whatever. And that's the only place like I could put you know quote unquote liner notes. Yeah, because that's the hard thing now. It's like I can't go like if you want to print records to get like a record at a decent price with a sleeve and the whole thing like. You have to make a lot of them. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I just, you know, I don't know how many people are buying life in the time of COVID. Right. Right. I don't even know how many, uh, how many copies, uh, Seth Iacovone did for uh, shovel down when that came out. I, on bought time. A, I have one of the records. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I don't even remember if there's liner notes in there or not. Um, I mean, if you had a website, you, one of the sections could be that you do album art. Right. Because, you know, at this point. Yeah. Have you done anyone other than my album and Seth Yacoboni, two of them? Yeah. Explain. <laughs> um, I've done a couple. This is my truth. Tell me yours. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. Um, uh, well, I did, I did some cover art for my own stuff way back in the day. And you, yeah, all this stuff early on, you definitely had a lot to do with, right? Yeah, I did. Um, I did a single for a uh, rapper in Minnesota and I'm, I'm not mentioning their name only because uh, I'm because of some unsavory. Uh, not exactly. Oh, wow. Not exactly. But uh, let's go into like really granular detail on it. This person uh, was in the news in the last six months for not wow. great behavior. So okay. I, you know, I'm, I'm sort of like, and anyone who knows, I mean, it's what you're talking about. Yeah. I mean, well, and also anyone who knows that specific genre of, of music and that sort of scene probably knows who I'm talking about as well. And it was, it, 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 it wasn't a digital release. It was only on a physical on a seven inch. So, um, okay. yeah, uh, that's, I mean, of- all of your comedy albums, all that stuff that you put out was all your, um, right? Yeah, like and it was photographs you took. Mostly life. photographs. Um, a couple of them, like most of the portraits of me were done by a um, couple photographer friends of mine. Um, I'm I'm working on an album right now f- um, for a uh, a a blues guitarist. Um, I I'm weird in that I don't like to mention That's it true. until it's out. Um, I did. There's a there's a That's new. Fun. There's a New Hampshire artist, um, Guy Capasolatro the third. I did uh, the third. Yeah, I did a cover, uh, the cover of one of his albums, and he's super prolific. I I asked him when I had him had him on my podcast uh, two years ago how many albums he had out, and he wasn't even sure because you know what the RPM challenge is, right? Um, so the Wire, which was a New Hampshire newspaper, it doesn't even exist anymore, but the RPM challenge does it's basically because february is the shortest month the challenge is to write record and release an album in the month of february 
Um, Write, record, and release an album? Yep. Yep. It has to be 10 tracks or at least 35 minutes, which, interestingly enough, that's I would how- do one song for 35 minutes. You can. I mean, some people have done that. Um, but that's actually how I recorded my first stand-up record because of the RPM challenge. I was like, all right, I'm going to, because I was like, I don't write I'm going to do 35 songs. minutes of stand-up and record it. Yeah, but I actually, in my first stand-up CD, which is from that performance, is 72 minutes long. Um, pro- maybe, long time to talk. Yeah, maybe 20 minutes of it is, is, is still good stuff, but, you know... Um, but anyways, Guy every year just challenges himself even more. Um, I think last year he did 15 albums uh, for the RPM Challenge. Um, and he'll do different stuff. That's not real, though. No, it is real. Like, if what, he, what do you mean? He's got a label called Burst and Bloom. Um, he puts out a little. You said 15 albums? Yeah. Yeah. In 30, 28 days? Yep. That's yep. not possible. It's how long is How long are the songs? Most of them are like, you know, three to four minutes long. Seriously? Yeah. How's yeah. that possible? He just, he... Is it all live instruments? It yep. can't be. No, 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 no. It is. I mean, and some of the records are just him and a guitar. Some of them he brings in like full band. Um, okay. It's crazy. Okay. Like, he also does collaboration. Like, he does... Cha- how do you even write that many? How do you... He, is he cover tunes and stuff? No, nope. He's just like the most, like one of the most pro- prolific songwriters i know like he he he, he's been posting a song a day like the almost the entire time of covid what does this person do he does music that's it yeah okay good for him man that's awesome i'm just i i don't mean to sound skeptical but that's crazy yeah yeah no because i asked him when i I even just because i'm a you know you know, anxious person, there's no way I would be able to even release. I wouldn't even, I wouldn't feel good about releasing that many things. And I just said a whole thing earlier about like people just put right. stuff out there, put yourself, but I couldn't even do that. Yeah. He, um, I have to spend more time with things. Things become my baby. I need to nurture it a little bit. Sure. You know what I mean? He, well, I mean, you're certainly a, what, what I would describe as a bit of a perfectionist. Um, absolutely. Um, where he's very much like, here's an idea, here's something I did, put it out and move on to the next thing. Um, he- I mean, I try to do that too, because even like, I look at deep when I released it and I said this, this I definitely said this to Nathan, I said it to Andrea, I was like, even deep, just production wise and the way it sounds all the way, I wish I mastered it a little bit louder than I did. Yeah. Other than that. I was like, this is better than anything on Life in the Time of COVID. And then I actually went back and listened to that song Radio that I w- wrote for Andrea, which was super early on in the year. Yeah, I released that actually early. So you talked about like doing releases and putting on albums. Like I released that and I released the song Life in the Time of COVID. And that's what happened in April. Yep. And that song is what made me go and like write the whole album. Yeah. Right. So like I released those things. I was like, those things actually are, but it's not that I don't like those songs or whatever. It's just production wise. Like, I think I could have made it sound better. Yeah. And that's my perfectionist side. Sure. If you go back, it doesn't sound awful. Sure. It's just, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. It's one of those so things. I'm saying, everyone go and listen to life in the time of COVID. So if someone's, if some- I just, every time I think I can do something better than I did. Yeah. I hope so. But I mean, I think that's that's a good thing to that's a yeah. good place to be at is to all right, yeah. this is going to push me to do the next thing, yeah, yeah. But when I, you know, because I had I asked, mean, it does this thing to me though that I listen the next thing, I'm like more proud of that it makes me not like the thing before as much. Sure, that's the only thing I'm saying. It's like. I listen to it now and I I don't like when I was doing, it was like my baby. I mean, dude, 2020 COVID, everything was happening, you know? Yeah. And I wrote all these songs and that was like what I did was like, just work on this album for a year. Yeah. And it was awesome and it was fun. And it's like, now I just feel like I need to do whatever the next better thing I can do. Yeah. So, you got to follow the uh, Red Hot Chili Peppers uh, school of thought and keep making records worse and worse. That's why I'm going to singles now. <clears throat> nice. But I'll tell you, with the single game, 
like I told you, I might have a filler song in March just to get through the year with one track a month. Is that you release one thing at a time, and if it does, you know, people are like, "Well, that that stinks." Yeah, you're like awesome. Well, next month I'm coming out with another. Right. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, another. No, another. That's why those filler songs mean so much for those really good songs to stand out. Sure. Yeah. You, you need the, you need the padding. You, you need the crappy days to make you appreciate uh, a great I should, day. I should be doing Red Hot Chili. I should have said, I'll put an out another album out by the end of the year, but I screwed up. Yeah. I make bad choices sometimes and I have to live with them. <laughs> it's all right. That's all right. So if someone wants to listen to, uh, life in the time of COVID deep or, you know, when your next single comes out, what, where would you like them to go to check it out? Well, so that's why I say if you go to Spotify yeah. and Jason Rowe, Life in the Time of COVID is an album, Deep is a single. If you will follow me, you will get notified anytime I put out new music. So if I go post a single, yeah. you'll get notified that an artist you follow just put a new single out. Same thing with Bandcamp, right? With You're on Bandcamp. Follow me. So Bandcamp, you can... So, I mean, I'll put stuff out. I mean, uh, Human Canoe on Instagram. Right. That's where I'll, I pretty much post if I'm going to put something out. Right. I'm not like a super social media person, so <clears throat> I try, but I'm, I'm not. Anti-social media? It's not that it's, well, I'm anti some of it, but it's just, it's, it's just too much work for me. So I want to tell people about things, but it's easier if you get into like, there's a service you use. If you go to Apple music and you followed me or, you know what I mean? Any, any, you know, Spotify, Bandcamp, if you followed me, sure. If something happened, you, if you turn your notifications on, it'll tell you. So anywhere you go that has Jason Rowe, just follow that's what you have to do. Fair enough. Fair enough. That's not this part. And I'll uh, when 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 this goes up, I'll 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 put I'll I'll do my research and get the links and put it on the on the thing. I have tons of links. If you go to if you go to Instagram, Human Canoe. If you go, I have a link tree, and yeah. it literally brings you to Bandcamp. Oh, so I'll just I'll just Apple l- Music. It brings you to every major service. I'll just, I'm also on SoundCloud, right? Which is Rochambeau Productions, which is what I put everything out under, right? Right on. Now you know everything. Right. I said too much. It's true. And now I don't have to do any more of these. I, you I've, talk again. This has been fun. Yeah, I enjoyed it. Um, yeah, thanks, man. I appreciate it. And uh, you know, hopefully, I'll see you in person sooner than later. I hope so, man. Yeah. Well. Keep, keep. I'm, a sh- I'm a social creature. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Well, uh, it's great to talk to you, man. Say hello to uh, your wife for me, and uh, I will. Yeah. yeah, good to talk to you, man. <laughs>